Welcome to a fresh new podcast, Young, Brown and Not Entirely Free. Presented by your co-hosts, Zam and Ruhi. Two women who are down for having candid conversations about the challenges collectively faced by brown females. Their mission is to build a community of people who want to live an authentic and ambitious life in the face of cultural norms that can often hold brown women back. Originating from India and Nepal, they believe it's possible to embrace their cultural heritage without being bound up by it. Join them every week as they discuss everything from PR to periods and parents to papards. Nothing is off limits. If you're a young brown woman who doesn't yet feel free to fully be yourself, Sam and Ruhi have got your back. Hey there. Today's topic is split into two episodes. Both episodes will be available this week as Zam and Ruhi are taking a break next week. They look forward to chatting with you in a fortnight. In the meantime, please leave a review in the Apple Podcast and feel free to join the Young Brown and Not Entirely Free Facebook community. The link is in the show notes. Enjoy part one of this episode, How I'm Reclaiming My Creativity. Hi everyone and welcome to our podcast. My name's Zam and I'm here with my co-host Ruhi. Hi everyone. Today we're going to be talking about how as children we were both required to suppress our creativity. And I think it helps to probably define what we mean by creativity because we want to acknowledge that creativity is required in pretty much every sphere of life and people exercise it to differing extents whether it's at work or as a parent, we can be creative in so many different ways. But the way we're talking about creativity tonight is specifically to do with the way we were discouraged by our parents from choosing subjects like visual arts, music, dance, drama, and so on. And we were required to focus instead on maths and science, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I just also want to say that, you know, creativity is something that is inherent in every child and every adult. And Mm. sure, you learn over the years how to enable that creativity. But I think there should be a focus on being able to do that a lot earlier to help children embrace it rather than suppress it. I feel like a lot of children in brown families grow up feeling like they don't have a choice in not just subject selection, but a choice in doing the things that they love, which can be so important for embracing their creativity. So tell us how this played out in your schooling years. There was a really strong emphasis on creating a specific type of adult in me when I was very young, doing more maths and science subjects so that I could be molded into an adult that found a job in those sectors. For me, it became more of an issue when I went through my VCE subject selection. So VCE being the uh, Victorian Certificate of uh, Education, which is an equivalent of year 11 and 12 in high school. I was sort of pressured to choose the Asian five because so many Asian children end up choosing very similar subjects. What are the five though? So it's supposed to be like chemistry, biology, maths methods. Specialist maths. Specialist maths and there's obviously another science there. Physics. Oh, physics, physics. (laughs) 
were so many of those subjects that I wasn't even naturally good at or enjoyed for that matter. I was the same. And it wasn't enough to simply do one math subject. We had to do at least two or even some people did three math subjects. It's like just because it's there, you have to do it. Yeah, I had the same experience. So I also did specialist maths in year 11 and then I dropped out of it because I just didn't enjoy it. It was such a chore to do that subject and I couldn't fathom thinking about how I'd study for this during my BCE. I didn't enjoy specialist either, but I don't think enjoyment is a prerequisite for our brown parents making us choose certain subjects. The only reason my parents accepted me having to drop out of specialist maths is because I would have failed it, basically. That's interesting because, yeah, I didn't really have the same experience with that. I dropped it because I didn't enjoy it and my dad sort of understood, so I was really grateful for that because I think if I ended up doing it without enjoying it, I would have bombed out anyway. Yeah, yeah. But you're absolutely right with enjoyment not being a prerequisite for doing subjects and I felt so much pressure to do all the three sciences the physics, the biology, and the chemistry. And the only one I actually really enjoyed was chemistry. And that's the only one I ended up pursuing. Can you tell me what happened with you? Yes, I will. But I just had a memory float across my head. Do you remember our specialist maths teacher? He used to put on classical music at the start of every lesson and tell us how maths was like music playing in his head all the time. And I was like, dude, you are the only person Yeah, I appreciate him trying to make maths enjoyable. And I think that's how you're supposed to feel about a subject that you want to actually do. So the fact that we all felt numb to that comment speaks very large volumes. Oh, look, I was so happy for him. Like it made me happy to see someone so passionate about the subject they were teaching, but I just couldn't apply that to myself at all. But that's interesting because I did feel that way about other subjects, you know. Yes, like French. Oh my gosh. Like French. And even sometimes English, those subjects I enjoyed, you know, as you mentioned, that was not something that was ever taken into consideration, how you felt about a certain subject. Yeah. I think we were both programmed on the same path, but it seems like when you reassessed, your father was supportive of that. And when I reassessed, my parents weren't very supportive. And where I did put my foot down, I could just see their absolute disappointment. Yes. When my dad acknowledged that I wasn't capable of doing specialist maths, he said it with all this disappointment in his voice, like, oh, you're not cut out for it. I'd let him down massively. But where do you think that initial programming comes from? Why do you think they're so keen on us pursuing these subjects to begin with? Because they studied those subjects and they were good at those subjects. That was their own expectation of themselves being then enforced onto their child and also thinking about success in society. Doing maths and science subjects is the only way to succeed in the big bad world and that's the only way that you would get good jobs. Yeah. I think it's a combination of things. It's introspective on their part but it's also societal. Mm, Because it's so widespread. I had so many Asian friends, like South Asian and Southeast Asian friends who had to go down the same path because of their parents. 
Yeah, it's so interesting though, because nowadays uh, you see the people who are very successful, like quote unquote successful in society, you know, they don't follow a mainstream path of success. And it's not always like their journeys are linear and, you know, traced back to the fact that they just did maths and science. Like you have so many creative, successful people who have done a plethora of subjects and there are so many job opportunities that don't rely on that background to be successful. Mm. So I think perhaps times have changed now, but when we were growing up, the focus was still on how being a doctor, an engineer, a scientist, um, a mathematician, lawyer, accountant, all those jobs was the definition of success. Yeah. Getting into those career paths meant that you had to do those subjects in school Mm. or entrance into, into that degree, essentially. Yeah, and I also feel like each subject has its own sort of connotation in our parents' eyes. Like maths is a noble subject and so is science. Like there's some sort of nobility about studying them. And then when you go into creative territory, so dance, drama, it's almost like they associate that with some sort of laziness and also dumbness. Like, (laughs) oh, you're doing dance because you're too dumb to do math. It's almost (laughs) like something wrong with you if you choose those subjects did you find that I do I do and that's such a good point I'm really glad you brought it up it's really discouraging especially if that's your talent yeah and the thing is a lot of the times parents will absolutely shut that down but for the parents who do allow it I mean there are some amazing parents who just allow it in whatever way you want to do it whether in school and outside of school parents will support that But then you've got your middle parents who won't let you study it as a subject because it's not good enough to be studied in a school context. But then they'll say, oh, you can do it outside of school. And if they're extra lenient, they'll say, oh, you want to do dance? What kind of dance? Hip hop? No problems. Ballet? No problems. And then you've got parents like mine who said the only circumstances under which you can do dance as a recreational activity out of school is if you do Bharatanatyam or Kathakali. And I was like, I don't want to do Bharatanatyam. Like I just wanted, I wanted to do other types of dance and they just, I wasn't allowed to and that was suppressed in me. I just want to shake my booty. They want to dress up in a freaking sari and do the Bharatanatyam. <laughs> oh, man. Do you have Bharatanatyam in Nepal? Um, no, it's more of like an Indian or Sri Lankan thing. What's your, um, what's your traditional kind of dance called? Just Nepali folk dancing. And I did it for years. Like I performed at Nepali functions and stuff. I came and watched you. It was beautiful. I know. Thank you so much for coming to support me all these years ago. And I enjoyed it and there was no pressure on me. And that's how kids should feel when they're doing anything. Yeah. They enjoy it. They yeah. should be pressured or expected to like strive and succeed. Enjoyment is the one big thing that I think correlates to success. And I found that out through my own experience in VCE when I chose my own subjects and enjoyed them. And I did a lot better than I would have if I chose what my parents wanted me to do. Yeah. And I just want to acknowledge, like, I'm not bagging out Bharatanatyam. It's really mesmerizing to watch and I do definitely appreciate its place in our culture it's just not something that I wanted to learn and you know what perhaps I would have had more of an interest in it if it wasn't pushed on me as the only option correct 
because I was naturally resisting all of the things my parents put on me. Yeah, but it sounds like you never had a choice. Like it was either do this or do this. Like the alternatives weren't even your choice. Yeah, but they would say, well, we gave you a choice. You could have done it. (laughs) (laughs) But you chose not to, so it's not our fault you couldn't dance. Do you know what? I just want to say uh, brown parents can often be so hung up on not wasting anything, so minimising waste, which I think is something we all need in our mentality when it comes to preserving the environment. But I feel like so much waste occurs as a result of us having to suppress our creativity. If your parents suppressed your creativity as a child, I feel like you can go down one of two paths that I've identified. There may be other paths. Path one, you go along with what they want for years and then down the track at some point, hopefully earlier rather than later, you realize that you're not going to go along with this anymore and you're going to do whatever the hell you wanted to do and stuff everyone's expectations, which is what I did. And then the other path is to just go along with it forever, basically live out the rest of your life, having been put on a path by your parents, never actually recognizing that you would have wanted to do something else. Or in some cases, people do recognize it, but they say, oh, it's too late now. I'm not going to go back to uni or I don't want to go back to learning or I'm too far down this life path and maybe they've been promoted at work and now it's too late to pursue a career in acting, for example. It just saddens my heart so much when you see people who have resigned, and I've seen this in aunties and uncles, they've resigned themselves to pursuing their dreams because it's just too, they've got their own kids now whose own careers are taking off. It's really sad. What a waste of talent. What a waste of ideas and energy where someone could have blossomed and contributed so much more to the world of their chosen career rather than just coasting through life, doing their job every day that they have to do because that's what they've been programmed to do and that's what they feel like they have to do in order to have financial security and success. Never having questioned it or never having acted upon what they've always wanted to do. It's such a, it's such a waste. And for those who do realize down the track and change their minds, great. That's fantastic. And I'm not saying all the years gone by are wasted because we definitely learned something along the way, but something has been lost over those years that could have existed in this world. And also the joy, the joy that drains out of you when you're doing something you hate or that you don't love. In some cases, it could be that you knew all along, but it took you ages to finally make the change. But in other cases, it could be that you just never knew. Like for me, I just wasn't self-aware enough to know what I wanted to do. So even if I quit my course or if I quit my job, which I knew I didn't like, I didn't know what else to change to. In some cases, it doesn't matter because you can just go travel or you can just work in a casual job until you figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life or at least over the long term. But I didn't have that option. I wasn't allowed to do that. My parents told me I couldn't go on a gap year and I couldn't travel. I just had to focus on doing my course and then get a full-time job and then have a baby and then have another baby and then go back to work after finishing my maternity leave. (laughs) That's pretty full on, dude. And that's a wrap for part one of episode 11. As Zam and Ruhi are taking a break next week, 
part 2 is already available in iTunes and Spotify. They'll return in a fortnight. In the meantime, head to the Facebook community. The link is in the show notes. You might also like to rate and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.